following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Everybody and welcome back to another episode of Eat Sleep List. I'm one half of Eat Sleep List, Dan Torres. With me is my other half, Mr. Matt Johnson. Hello, Matt. Hello, Dan. Man, what a great night to get together and do this. We're doing this at a later time than we typically a do. A little this. bit later. Yeah. This is almost <laughs> my bedtime, but I, I was like, I'm gonna no risk it, no biscuit. Let's get let's get to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's how I feel. Sometimes it's refreshing to do it at this time too, because it's like it gives you something to look forward to in the day. It caps it off on a really nice note. And, you know, you get some really, really great conversation before you drift off to dreamland and go Absolutely. dreaming about the list the rest of the night. No, for sure. Because, you know what, I've been, an, I've been an old man lately, like really old, like falling asleep like seven thirty, eight, eight thirty 8, 8.30 mm-hmm. lately. Yeah. And I don't like it. I don't mm-hmm. like being at that point. I'm only 31 years old. I can't be at that point yet. Uh but yeah, so here we are. Um, we need more vitamins in our lives. That's I think so I too. And it is nice too because there's nobody at the studio. It's nice and quiet. We got the place to ourselves. So. Yeah, exactly. The whole building's empty right now. For it practically, is. It is, which is great. Um, but we have a really fun list today, and I'm I'm very excited that you and I get to be together for this one because. This is something that's very important to both of us to a degree. Yeah. We've had, we both kind of have a love-hate relationship with this industry. But we love it for very particular reasons. Like the love we have for it is for very, very specific reasons. Um, and if you clicked on this episode, you know that we're doing our top 10 underrated wrestling matches of all time. And we're going in pro wrestling terms here. Yeah. Because... Matt and I um, both have some degree of pro wrestling training uh, in our backgrounds, and it's something that we loved growing up. We've told plenty of stories um, on this podcast and on other podcasts of different instances we've had throughout, and man, there have just been some five-star matches out there, too, that people forget about all the time. So I feel like these this is going to be one of the most personal ones we've ever done because we're really going to show, like, our wrestling colors in this. Oh, for sure. Um, you are absolutely right about the love-hate relationship. I, Dude, I, I, I don't watch the product anymore. I probably haven't consistently watched it in uh, maybe since 2015. All right, I pop in every now and then. Okay, there's Royal Rumble. I'll, I'll watch it and this. But the beautiful thing about wrestling is, uh, what's the phrase? Different, different f- folks, different strokes. Different strokes for different folks. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So everybody has a taste. There's literally been billions. When you think about it, billions of wrestling matches. Billions. There's yeah. so many on YouTube. There's so many that you know you could find in other places. Peacock. Um, you know, for the network, and and there's some that are just there's no videotape that remains. There, are, pro wrestling has been around since the late 1800s, but really became what it is in the early 1900s. I think 1915 ish time. 
but there's been so much to go for. And it all depends on who you like, what you're interested in, what kind of style of wrestling that you, you really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And that's why this one was actually really, really difficult. Um, I told you before we got on here, I'm like, this is probably the hardest list that I had to put together. Yep. Because we're not just going for our top 10 favorite wrestling pro wrestling matches, which we can do at some point, but this is underrated. So we got to think, like, what what's our context of underrated? You know what I mean? Yes. And that was a whole thing to filter through as well, which was difficult. So we have some that maybe I think that people will be like, oh, that's that's actually pretty mainstream. Um but I, I just, from our personal experience, we just don't hear enough about them. Yeah, I agree. There's definitely one on here that I think some people will have a problem with. Uh, but I still feel it's all about perspective for this one. I feel it doesn't get the love it deserves. I feel like certain ones just need to be remembered a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and I think that this is going to show my age a little bit. Because I, as I was going through this, I was like... Ah, this all is when I like started to like wrestling. It was like really enveloped in it, except for a, a select few that are out there. Um, so without further ado, let's jump into this list, man. Let's do our top 10 most underrated wrestling matches ever, starting with number 10. Matt, I can't wait to hear what you have. All right. So to kick this one off, this is from SmackDown in 2014. This is the lead-in show right before Elimination Chamber. Uh A guy by the name of Cesaro was getting a monster push around Mm. this time, right? He's been in the uh, the the Real Americans tag team, which I loved. The the tag team scene in 2014 was really really good, and then they just broke everybody up. I was so mad about it. Yeah, primetime players, Usos, New Day, uh, Real Americans, and oh god, there was there was so many more. I think they had like six tag teams at one point. The uh, I think. Tensai and 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 uh, Brodus Clay were together. Oh my God, Sweet Tea. Yeah, Sweet Tea. The uh, the Wyatts yeah. were still together then. Wyatts were right. still together. Yeah. Shield. Mm-hmm. All these car- all these teams, and it was it was Goldust and Cody Rhodes. Tag team division was splendid back in 2014. Yes. I was like, wow, they're really going through. And then they just broke everybody up. It just pissed me off. Yeah. But, uh, regardless, Cesaro's getting a monster push. He's getting he's got the, one of the slots in the elimination chamber. And uh, he's just taking on everybody. But in the main event, uh, it's him and Randy Orton. All right? Him and Randy Orton going head-to-head. And it's a really, really good match. The whole match is available on YouTube. Uh, but it's the main event of SmackDown. All right? Cesaro's kind of getting his just dues. And it's pretty much heel versus heel. But you can start to see the crowd is really, really behind um, Cesaro here. Because Randy's just uh, – this is his authority. This is his um, – you know, a you know, just it bur- not burying, but uh, just beating on every time Daniel Bryan gets ahead. Yep, Randy Orton stomps out his fire. Right, he Orton unified the belts in December of 2013, and uh, but anyways, they're going head to head, getting ready for the limited chamber, and Cesaro just takes it to him. Uh, a lot of fun false finishes, uh, and you know, a, a great big you know Cesaro swing or whatever they called it, and. Um, it finished off really cool. A huge European uppercut into his uh, neutralizer finisher. And it was just, it was a one heck of a, it really was a really good match. Yeah. I think I remember seeing that one now that you're talking about it. I have always loved uh, Cesaro for the simplicity of some of the moves. 
that he um, utilizes, but he makes them look so effective. That's his strength. He does the bread and butter stuff, and it just comes off so great for the gimmick he has, and it always has. Yeah, because, I mean, he's just this, I mean, European-style wrestler, right? Just But very simplistic in design. He's got his underwear. He's got the armbands and stuff. And this dude is so... Friggin' strong. Yes. Not swearing today. Mama Torres, I got you. I'm going to try not to as <laughs> I'm well. I'm trying my best. I'm gonna, I know I'm going to blow up, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch my, I'm starting to catch myself and do yeah. it better. Um, yeah, he's so strong. Some of the, just the stuff he does out of these crazy positions, uh, he could, you know, I remember him doing the giant, the big swing on like Great Kali and and neutralizing. I think Big Show and all these dude, he the dude is so strong. But you are right; he's got this. He has this rough and tough European style with the fast paced uh, American style, and mm-hmm. he blends it really well together. And dude, retrospectively, WWE misused the heck out of him. If For they sure. really, got, I don't know what happened. Got the, they, they really dropped the ball, and uh, I don't even know what he's doing in AEW, Ring of Honor, right now. Uh, he was with Blackpool Combat Club. I haven't watched in a minute. I was trying to keep up earlier in the I, year. Yeah, then. once Punk got the, it, the whole thing, me. I stopped. That yeah. lost me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, that's a great start to this list. That's yeah. a really, really highly good recommend it, man. It was a really, really good main event. And again, it's free on YouTube to watch, and you get it's cool. It, it's you're excited. You felt excited for Cesaro because you knew he was finally getting his chance. Mm-hmm. It rem- I mean, obviously, future. It, this is in the future, but when Kofi was starting to get hot, right, in the Elimination Chamber leading into WrestleMania, I was like, it It made me feel like Cesaro during mm-hmm. this time. And, and Cesaro did get a, pu- a little bit of a push after that. But... Um, but obviously, Kofi's went further and yes. it was more successful. But, uh, but yes, that is my number ten: Randy Orton versus uh, Antonio Cesaro. I love from it. SmackDown 2014. This is February, and again, it's the uh, Go Home Show right before uh, Elimination Chamber. I love it. Uh, my number ten is going to be the one that I think that people are going to have a problem with, but that's why I put it as number ten because. I don't. I think it's thought about, but I don't think it's thought about quite enough. Um, the first WrestleMania I ever watched as a kid, I got on VHS from the library, like the like the first one I ever watched in full length, and it was WrestleMania eighteen. Yeah, the Rock versus Hogan Legend versus Icon match that they have on that card, I think has aged so well. Oh yeah, to this day, like still. I get chills every time I watch it. And it's one of those things where, yeah, that's the that was the match of that WrestleMania. But so much has happened since then, and there are so many superstars. There's so many icons. This was so big. It was Hulk Hogan wrestling The Rock for the first time. Yeah. And it was easily the best match of Hogan's second run. In WWE, after he got oh, back hands from down, I mean, it, it got it, it, he tapered off easily, after this. and it was one of uh, in uh, the Sky Dome in Toronto. Now, probably the Air Canada Center or I, whatever the hell it is. Now. Yeah, um, they tore that place down. They they shouldn't have had any matches after that one because the crowd was so damn exhausted after that Rock and Hogan match. And it was amazing. They were cheering both of them at different... It was like they would cheer louder for each one of them whenever something else happened. Mm -hmm. And I've never... To this day, I've still never seen anything like that. 
like yeah, it's it's very few and far between, but yeah, I I I think you're right. I with the, you're with right. that power, at least, right? We've seen face versus face matches where the crowd's into it and the and it ends well and it's uh well planned. But my God, the, you couldn't do anything better than that when Hogan hulks up. And the crowd is just losing their ever-loving minds. And then the, the whole thing was uh, the NWO turning on him at the end and The Rock coming back in and having that moment for a second. I think it was such a momentous occasion in history, especially w- with where both people are now. And I think it doesn't get enough love. So that's why I put it in number 10. It's going to be The Rock versus Hulk Hogan. At WrestleMania 18. All right, that is very. Con- I think I think you're right. I think it is very controversial, but I like your explanation for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a fair explanation for it. Uh, but that is a great one. I remember the first. I didn't watch it when it happened. I was not watching wrestling at that time, but I did end up going to watch it back. And mm-hmm. I mean, the crowd makes that match. The crowd makes that match. You know? Do you, do you know the reason why it didn't go on last? No. Triple H. Oh, of course. He was in the main event. Didn't oh, that's the title, right. That's didn't think right. that the title sh- thought that the title should be in the main event, which he has a great point. But uh, that should have done it. That yeah, done it. yeah, that was bigger than the championship. Uh, so, yeah, Jericho wasn't selling any pay per views at that time, unfortunately, because they weren't booking him the right way. Right. But, that's true. Too. Yeah, do? that's true too. What are you gonna do? Very good. Yeah. Thank you. The Number nine, stuff. Matt. Number nine, buddy. I am going to. Uh, Go. This is a Japan one that I remember watching when I was study, uh, studying wrestling. Uh, nineteen ninety one. It's the the best of the Super Juniors. That's what they called it. Oh yes. And um, it's it's a very grainy video. It looks like I don't know if somebody recorded it off their TV or somebody had a fan cam at the venue. Uh, but I feel like I've seen multiple cameras of this. It's Owen Hart versus uh, Wild Pegasus or the Pegasus Kid. For those who don't know, that is the uh, infamous Chris Benoit. Benoit. Uh, I will say this, and I I have no problem saying this, that I can separate the two. What Chris Benoit did in in his last days, horrific, terrible, I'm not going to swear, but awful, awful, awful way to go. I I can separate that from his body of work. Um, A lot of people cannot. I, I certainly can. Chris Benoit's body of work was tremendous. This match, it, it is so cool to see Owen Hart outside of WWE, first and foremost. Um, it, I mean, very early on in both these guys' careers, but this is a technical masterpiece. Mm. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Like, it, it, the whole, it's it's a 15-minute match or so, and the whole thing is just technical-style wrestling, uh, with the finish being just this, uh, I forget what the, what the move is called, but just, I mean, a simple type of roll-up. You know, they're just going back and forth, and, and and bam, here's a fireman's carry, and they throw a little extra oomph on it to, to, to give a bump. And this is the Japanese-style wrestling that I love. I didn't, I have no love for the Kenny Omega, strong style, yeah. no-sell finisher stuff. It honestly took away from me. This is the sport. This is like early Ring of, this is, reminds me of early Ring of Honor. Mm. This is wrestling being a sport not showmanship not crap this is there's logic in this match and Owen Hart gets it dude is jacked I love Owen Hart I could tell you he shows up one more time on this list Owen Hart is a top five favorite wrestler for me all time I think I think he was a 
better. Now, this is not to degrade Brett, but I think he was a better technical wrestler than Brett. Um, in a lot, in a lot of instances, not as much in the in the politicking and maybe the microphone work. But Owen Hart to me was like perfect. Dude, I mean, just big, jacked, and and dude can go mm-hmm. when he when he wanted to go, he can go. And he was he was very very entertaining in his own respective way. Um, but I got to give a lot of credit. It was just really cool to see wrestling, uh, just simple simplified. Mm-hmm. I love technical wrestling. I used to try to do you know that was the style that I wanted to do here, but. It's not really receptive, received well, mm-hmm. especially at the indie level um, in the United States. It just it, it just it doesn't work. People love the Bing Bing Boom, uh, Michael Bay blow everything up kind of style wrestling, and it's 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 unfortunate because there, there's a beautiful art form <clears throat> in it. I I will never consider pro wrestling a sport because of what has become, but I feel like you can you suspend disbelief. Back then, it didn't look so manufactured, and that's not a, you know I don't want to insult. Times have changed. I don't want to insult current workers and such, um, current wrestlers. But I, I can legit look at this and be like, wow, that might have been real. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. Yeah, so. I, I love I love that. I love those early style um, matches like that from like Japan and like yeah. Oh, and the crowd the made everything too because they were quiet, right? They quiet and something cool would happen, right? Fireman's carry. Benoit goes out of the ropes uh, or outside the ring, and there's claps Clapping. and oh, you know, it was just it, it, and it was just it was really neat to see. Yeah, exactly. Man, I love that. This is this is gonna make me watch wrestling all weekend. <laughs> I've wa- like. I've watched more wrestling today getting ready for this episode than I have probably in the last six years. I love it. I love it. I'm glad I could do that for Thank you. Thank you. Um, this one that is making my number nine is another more recent match, I feel like. So this just happened last year. Um, this is from 2021, or okay. two years ago now, I should say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I I have my gripes with AEW, for sure. There's a lot of things it's done well. There's a lot of things it's not doing well at all. At the end of the day, I feel like it's just a big, shiny, shiny indie company. Um, but that's <laughs> not what this episode is about right now. No. Um However, they do deliver some quality freaking matches. And one of my favorite and recent memory is the steel cage match that the Young Bucks had with the Lucha Brothers um, at All Out, which was, I believe, September of 2021. I remember hearing about this. Man, what a great match. It was right after Punk came back, so all the hype for the pay-per-view was around that. But, man, the Young Bucks and uh, the Lucha Brothers tore the roof down on that pay-per-view. They tore the freaking roof off of it. Um, I watched it with Cheese Man and his dad, and we had such a fun time. There was false finish after false finish. Um, at one point, the Bucks got uh, their Nikes thrown in the cage, and there were spikes on the bottom of the Nikes, so they're using that as a weapon. There's blood all over the masks. They they brought the tacks in at one point. They're, they did some incredible stuff in that cage, and to the point where you you thought, oh, it had to be, it has to be over here, and then it would go another 10 minutes. You're like, okay, this has to be done. And then another eight minutes after that, and you still had no idea who was going over. It was one of those ones 
there are times where the answer seems to be projected, like the writing's on the wall for it immediately yeah. for how a match is going to end. And I kind of thought I knew how this one was going to go, but it kept me guessing the entire time. The entire time I kept being like, oh, okay, no, this is going to be it. Oh, my God, what is this? Like, what is going on here? It was probably the best version of wrestling right now for me, I would say. It reminded me of a... Uh, a very uh a very like classic attitude era match okay uh it was definitely worth the watch i thought it was perfectly done by all the men involved um i like some of the things AEW does with having the camera inside the cage um i think that's a i think that's really really smart to utilize it so you're not just getting desensitized of looking through the cage the yeah, whole time some of those are rough tna yeah. never, tna never figured that one out never remember did. they had the red cage they did the red cage and nobody could see anything yeah that was uh the 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 x cage or whatever they so they had bad. yeah man so bad. that that was that was rough um, but yeah, that makes my number nine. Um, there's some recency to that. That's why it's very low. I think it has time to age and we'll see if it gets the respect it deserves in time. But I think that is worth checking out. I think it's the best match in a couple of years. Honestly, okay. I really have high praise for that one. Very good. No, I'm glad you you brought some new ones, you know, cause I, I, I you know, there are people who like, they want to get back into wrestling, and they're they're trying to find like a where do I go to? And it's always good to hear those more recent ones. And they, listen, the Young Bucks are one of the hot Lucha and Lucha Bros. They're the hottest, some of the hottest names right now in pro wrestling. They're kind of the standard bearer um, of what wrestling is, whether you yes. like it or not. And that's a really good focal point. I mean, we had the the, the Lucha Bros at ESW um, Empire State Wrestling uh, a couple years ago, and it was yes, it was insane. Uh, to see how I mean that crowd was ridiculous. I had to stand up to do commentary, and I was like, "This stinks," but this is really cool to see. There was like six hundred people in a tiny fire hall. Yeah, absolutely amazing to see their impact. I haven't. I, I was never on a show with the Young Bucks when I did it, but um, but there were several shows where they were there, and they just it, it, people loved them. People ate them up. They're one of those groups that you're like, "We're spoiled that we get to see them." Yeah, like when, that's how I felt every time Gargano wrestled around here. Because yeah. I felt like I was watching something special every time. Because I, I kept being like, this guy should be insanely huge right now. Oh, yeah. But he's just out here just wrestling in front of anybody he wants to be wrestling in front of. And I thought it was the most beautiful thing. Isn't that crazy to think that these guys were on the just on the indie level wrestling for us for like <clears> 20 uh, – people were paying $20 or something to see him. Yeah. And now they're on the national level. Like, dude, I took a shot with Johnny Gargano. Yeah. And like to see him on TV and, and hearing about his success, like that's cool. I, I filmed the – promo for Matt Hardy and Pepper at uh, the Keenan Center when we did one of those shows. And I'll never forget Matt being like, you know, just touch me on the shoulder when you're ready or whatever. And me being like, okay, I will. Like, just one of those. Like, it's cool to to have that now. Yeah. to, To even have, you know, that connection where a couple of years ago when they had that WrestleMania moment, I was like, holy crap. Like it, it just makes it a little bit more real for you, and it, yeah, it kind of makes the world seem a little bit smaller, though. Yeah, too. yeah, for sure. Like you try to like it, it, these guys who these guys and 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 women as well. Uh, you know, they, some of these legends they competed in front of thousands of thousands of people, and then they're just like normal people. Mm-hmm. A lot, of, some of them didn't allow to get to their head, and they're just like normal people when you get to meet them. Yeah, you know, so. 
That's that's really cool. That's really cool. Thank you, man. Uh, all right, on to our number eight. All right, my number eight is uh, this is one of the last. Uh, kind of, I'm not gonna say last ones, but um, one of the ones I, I squeezed in here to try and morph my list into something, uh, into something that showcased some of my favorite wrestlers as well as put a good match. This is from 1993. It's a Monday Night Raw. I don't know the date, but uh, the Intercontinental title is vacant at this point. I'm not sure uh, how that occurred, but uh, but it, the previous week there was a battle royal and the final two contestants faced off one-on-one to see who would uh, win the vacant Intercontinental title. And those two wrestlers were Razor Ramon, rest in peace, and my favorite wrestler of all time, Rick Martel. Oh, wow. Uh, and this is late. Like, Rick Martel's been around for a while. He hasn't really done a whole lot. The model gimmick has fizzled. I love the model gimmick, by the way. But it's fizzled out. I loved He's... all his gimmick. I remember watching him as, he was Johnny B-Bad, right, when he was in WCW? Mm, that was Mark Merrow. Ah, Mark Merrow. That's Marrow. what I'm thinking But of. he was in WCW. Yes. He was AWA. He was AWA heavyweight champion. Really, really big star um, in, in that regard. But... Um, but Rick was uh, Rick was very very talented, and he mm-hmm. made it work. His, the model commercials were were awesome. But he, you could just tell that, you know, it, looking at his career retrospectively at that point, like it was just it was slowing down. But the fact that he was even in consideration, uh, you know, to to be in a spot like that and put over a guy like Razor, it was really really good. And some of the best Rick Martel work that I had ever. Really laid my eyes on his mm-hmm. AWA stuff is tremendous, but this was just cool to see. Like 1993, you know, he's he's kind of on his way out. He's like a part timer at that point. Yes, but um, but it was a really good match, and and it started off it was you know a little technical, and then Rick Martel kind of being the overconfident, cocky, uh, you know, French Canadian model that he is, and uh, you know, this is slaps, but it ends with a tremendous. Ra- you know, Razor's Edge. Um, Ra- Razor's got him up, and he's struggling. He's screaming. He's like, oh, you know, ooh, shoot. Uh, <laughs> get the full effect there. Get the full effect there. And just plops him down, and that's it. And it's a good it, – that's another one. It's a good 15-minute match. I don't know if it main evented Raw, but it's it's a really good one. It's just cool with the aesthetics. You know, Raw – I love Raw stage at that time. It had, like, the kind of, like, rainbowy effect in the oh, background. Oh, yes, I remember Very that. simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of its earliest incarnations, but uh, it's a really good one. This one is free on YouTube completely, and uh, I think this is Razor's first title. Oh, wow. I, I believe so, at least in the WWF at that time. I believe it's his first championship. So, uh, But I actually watched it right before he got here. Uh, just to kinda, I'm like, i got to have a Rick Martel match in here. I love and, it. Uh, yeah, it's tremendous. Tremendous. That's a great choice, honestly. Thank you. Um, what do you got for number eight? Okay. All right, I'm going to put this one on here. Um, So my number eight, there are a couple of ones I told you I was going to include on here uh, from my yarding past uh, that I think everybody should take. So this is is my two-minute spiel on backyard wrestling. Go for it. It has a terrible name to it because of everything that was done during the Attitude Era because kids were seeing – People hit each other with chairs and light tubes and cookie sheets, and they weren't separating the entertainment from the reality of things. 
when I was involved with backyard wrestling, we were actually trying to learn how to become professional wrestlers rather than how can we hurt each other the most, which I feel like there was a separation there. So uh, part of my background is wrestling for a group called UIW, which um, the great Kevin Bennett was the uh, main booker and promoter for back in the day because he had the ring. I miss Kevin. I I love Kevin, man. I saw him a couple weeks ago. We watched... uh, we watched the Jags uh, come back from that twenty-eight point deficit against, uh, against the Chargers, against the Chargers cool. together, um, which it was great to see him, and he's he's killing it right now, holding three belts, and uh, he also has the Ilio de Paulo Cup hostage right now, so he's he's killing it. He's wearing a lot of gold, um, but this is just me saying all this is an example of how. Great wrestlers can come from anywhere, and great matches can also come from anywhere. Uh, and back in the day, we used to do super shows with this other group from New Jersey um, that was called ETDW. And one of the last ones we did, it was Battle for the Belt 4. It was in July of 2011. It featured a match with Kevin, then known as Twist, um, Jamie Anderson from ETTW, and um, this guy, Glenn Beach, who is known as G-Fatal, as okay. his wrestling name. And they uh, put on this 15-minute triple threat, and it's one of my favorite matches that I've ever seen in my life. Really? And they put it on in front of 25 people, maybe. And it was... <sighs> there was a formula for a triple threat. They followed it perfectly. It just kept you so captured the entire time, and it was it was high level stuff. You're watching it. You're like, these are professionals working this triple threat right now. They uh, they had the classic tie up where Jamie invited the the other two to do like the test of strength, and then Jamie tried running in, so they boosted him up and or- up and over, and he tried doing it again, so they did it again. They were doing. Um, kind of the, around the world where one guy would go out for a second and then two guys would work each other. It was just so well-crafted. Kevin hit a moonsault outside of the ring. It was the first t- one of the first times I remember seeing him do that. Um, the, the best part of the match for me, at one point, G-Fatal comes running out, and keep in mind it's a wrestling ring in a backyard, so there's not much. There's grass outside of the ring. We're not do- using too many pads or anything like that. But Glenn gets one up on Kevin. Kevin kicked out of something. Glenn goes running at uh, Jamie. Jamie kicks him in the stomach, pulls him up for an old school, like, Mr. Perfect just pile driver right on the grass. Like, just right dead on the grass, hits him with it. Tyler Body, our friend from this network... His he was watching in the audience at that point. His jaw was on the floor, like he couldn't believe that. Like we were, pu- they were putting this together, right? And I, I will never forget that feeling. If people want to look it up, it's on YouTube still. In fact, I believe the full match is still on my old YouTube account. Okay, so you can look at it. It's Twist versus G Fatal versus Jamie Anderson. It's about like seventeen minutes or so if you have that time. And it just shows the great wrestling you can find absolutely anywhere. And it's a gem that I will know the only, like I will only know the impact of and a few other people, but it was fantastic. It was so well done. That's cool. YouTube it, uh, Battle for the Belt 4, Twist versus Jamie Anderson versus G Fatal. Very good. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Bennett, 
right? I love Kevin. Yeah. Uh, tremendous wrestler. I was his first tag team partner in Empire State Wrestling in 2010. That match almost made my list. Oh. It almost did. I'm glad he did it. I know. It was bad. It was spot <laughs> it was spot festy a little bit, but it, it was... went over time and I we got yelled at for it, but uh but <laughs> yeah, Kevin's really that good and I want to see him do well. Like he does his music and he's tremendous at it. He does uh, he's been wrestling for so long. He's a great father. Uh, yeah, a great. He is. Are, are they engaged? I, yes, they yeah, are engaged. Are engaged. You know, it, it, they've been together for such a long time, and like, how could you not be happy for him? Like, yeah, he's he's literally he's one, one of, of the, the most he's one of the most likable people of yes, all time. Yes, and I get upset when I see people, and, and I, I personally, I I try to get myself worked up, but when I see people that. Kevin has been working circles around for years. Um, get opportunities that he isn't, and it's a, uh, it's a thing because, like I said, Kevin is one of the best pros. Um, works so hard. I mean, he's literally he's legit made a career mm-hmm. out of doing two things that he loves: wrestling and and music. Yeah, yeah. He right. I don't think he has a. Does he have a shoot job? Uh, I don't think anymore. I think he, used he was to, able though. to quit his shoot job with what he's doing now. He's making music, yep. and yeah, I, I really like Kevin. I don't know if you're listening to this or not, but I have the highest respect for you. Yeah, me too. Um, I don't know if it's reciprocated or not. It doesn't matter, but I want you to know that um, I I'm always rooting for you, dude. Nah, he loves you, man. I know I that. Know. I know I that know. for sure. He's a good dude. I wish we hung out more. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get there for I'll sure. Make sure he hangs around here a little bit more. <laughs> um. All right, number seven. Number seven for myself. This is a tag team match. So I came back into wrestling around 2003. This is right when Kane took his mask off. That's when I started following again. Uh, But I was enamored with the dynamic of Raw because I actually didn't get to watch Raw a whole lot. 9 o'clock p.m. start time on Mondays. That was late for a middle school me. So Mm -hmm. SmackDown was my show. However... um, you know, I got to keep up with it. I used to watch the Raw Rewind. They did it on, like, Saturdays or Sundays. And um, my friend taped the pay-per-views for me. He had uh, direct TV and used to videotape the uh, – used to record the, the, the pay-per-views for me. So I followed along uh, as much as I possibly can. And Raw, I didn't appreciate back then as much as I do now. It was really good. Like, the top talent on Raw was good. And that's the way it's always meant to be, right? You got Evolution, Goldberg, Booker T, Rob Van Dam, Christian, Chris Jericho, uh, and and so many other. Dudley Mm -hmm. Boys. Just so many great talent. So much great talent on Raw. And, uh, and, Stone Cold was there, and Eric Bischoff was there, and they had a great few that did Evolution really... just starting, right? They had been, they started that year pretty much, but they had been well established around that time. Mm-hmm. It all comes to a head. So, <laughs> I just did air quotes, but Survivor Series. There's one part that's that state that just kind of not doesn't ruin it for me, but it, was, it seemed kind of silly in hindsight, but. Um, it's Team Austin versus Team Bischoff, and the stakes are this: Austin, if his team wins, he can uh, he can beat up anybody he wants, and if his team loses, Austin is has to quit and resign from being GM because it was just it was building up for six seven months at that point. Sure, 
So Team Austin rolls out. They got, I didn't even mention Shawn Michaels. Um, Shawn Michaels, the Dudley Boys, Booker T, Rob Van Dam. That's Team Austin. Team Bischoff has Christian, who is another top five wrestler for me. Uh, is Christian, Chris Jericho, Randy Orton, uh, Scott Steiner, and Mark Henry. Wow. I didn't say Mark Henry twice, right? No, you didn't. Okay. Which is a pretty damn good team at that point. They get to it. They have a really good match. Uh, team Bischoff is up three to one. And Shawn Michaels starts rallying back. It is great. You actually, like, I love the I way that this they, now. yeah, I still have this on videotape too. I love it. I, they, sucked you in. They really had you believe that Shawn Michaels was going to come back, right? He knocks out, he takes out Jericho. He think he takes he takes out Christian and and you think he's got Randy Orton knocked out and uh all of a sudden the ref is down, something happens. Uh Stone Cold, he beats up some I forget who he beat. He starts beating up, but Batista runs out of the crowd, power bomb Shawn Michaels, his face is covered in blood. Uh, Michael's face covered in blood, and Randy Orton gets the pinfall, and it is an emotional roller coaster to say the least. And then afterwards, Stone Cold and Sean Stone Cold helps Sean up because Sean is just knocked out. Sean is like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry," and it's this really tender moment. Stone Cold walks him to the back, and uh, and he comes out and does a retirement speech. My only problem with this match is that a month or so later, maybe month and a half. Stone Cold comes back, and he's just he's he's just the sheriff, right? Ugh. He's the sheriff. Now he's the sheriff. He's not the GM anymore, which I guess is the, you know, the, the I guess it works. But he's just the sheriff, and um, I'm like that kind of takes away from that moment. But <laughs> definitely, I I hate when they do stuff like that because it definitely does take away from it. It does. Like, why do you go back on it right away? Right, it is so goofy. Um, it was like when uh, let it simmer. Like, yeah. let it, if you want to bring him back, wait till <clears throat> WrestleMania, or just even write him off because he was gone a couple months after that. He was gone after WrestleMania. Yeah, there was a trend in UIW where I think um, I want to say it was three or four people. Aaron Solomon work matches with three or four people that were retirement matches that he lost, and the opposite person was never seen on UIW television again. <laughs> Black Panther, that was one. Razor Sharp, that's another one I can remember. Oh, he had another retirement match in between there, too, and that guy was never seen on UIW again. But Solomon... He lingered and lingered and lingered. He'd never kill that man. Literally the Terry Funk of that promotion. Oh, he's the best. He's the best. Um, <laughs> that's a great number seven. That actually, that made me think of the fact that there was a trend for a little bit that where Randy Orton was the sole survivor for a while. Back-to-back yeah. years he did. He was uh, maybe even another one after that. Back-to-back-to-back, but... to back to back, I'm pretty sure, because... They had that one that you're talking about, yep. right? The Team Bischoff versus Team Austin. Oh, four was they did Team Evolution versus Team yeah. um, Evolution and Snitsky versus uh, Jericho, Maven, Maven, Orton, and Benoit. Benoit. The winner, winning team, got to run Raw. Run for Raw, and Orton was the sole survivor in that one. And then you had the next year That's where. Right. It was Team Raw versus Team SmackDown, which is a very underrated Survivor Series match. Yes. I should have thought about that before we made this list. Um, but 
he was the sole survivor in that one, so he did three in a row. There were three years in a row where he had. That's a right. I remember he was Team SmackDown, and then Undertaker came out. Yeah, after. the casket on fire, that him kicking so it cool. down. Oh, it was the best. That was, was so cool. Good. Um, okay, my number seven gets tough because there are some really, really damn great ones on here. I'm going to. Yeah, my number seven, I'm going to put down um, Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle at WrestleMania 21. Very good. I love this match so much. Uh, My first year of wrestling was uh, SummerSlam 2004. SummerSlam 2004, um, Undertaker feuding with JBL. It's the first thing I remember. Angle getting fired. Um, as GM is my second SmackDown memory ever, um, and oh, wow. Eddie, I didn't, I didn't like Eddie at first. I thought Eddie was like kind of a scum. Like, then I kind of got to know the rules a little bit. Right? Yeah. So that's my first year. Is like all these really good guys and this good talent. This was some of the best storytelling you could have ever written in wrestling. Man, Angle comes into that Royal Rumble. Throwing everybody around, eliminating two people, I think, off the jump, Germaning people, belly to bellies, everything. Michael hits him with that super kick and kills that momentum immediately. Yeah. Angle comes back out, eliminates him from the Royal Rumble, and beats the hell out of him outside of the ring. And then it goes for this, uh, these next couple months about how when. Angle won his gold medal. There's this guy that's being more talked about because he descended from the rafters at WrestleMania and he put on the greatest show in the world. And it was the tension back and forth between like the Raw and SmackDown at the time because they were doing the same thing with Undertaker and Orton. Yes. But man, when it got to that match at WrestleMania... It was so beautiful. It was the perfect anything you could do, I could do better match ever. Yeah. Ever. Ever. And the storytelling was so beautiful throughout the entire thing. You could just see the hatred and like the mutual respect that was still there in some way. There's this great moment where like Michaels hits a moonsault and then Angle goes to do it and he misses. It was just like those little things of like who's going to get the one up on it. And, man, at the end, when Angle has him in that ankle lock for what feels like years, you are like, is he going to tap or is he not? And then Mr. WrestleMania taps out. And it was just gorgeous. As a kid, I didn't necessarily see know what I was seeing at yeah. first. But I knew it was beautiful. I can't describe it any better than that. There was that was the first time I'd really seen like pure wrestling like that. I feel like, and it was magic. It was magic when I bought that WrestleMania 21 DVD and watched that match for the first time. I have that DVD. Yeah, I had it. It was the first. It was the first one I ever bought with my own money, and that might have been mine too. It was just fantastic. I um. I think Michaels appeared. Yeah, he does appear again on this list. Um, Shawn Michaels is up there for the greatest, one of the greatest wrestlers ever for me, um, simply because of the resurgence he had. If not for anything else, yeah, uh, he had the best career resurgence of all time in wrestling. His second run is way better than his first. Yes, yes. Um, 
And this match with Angle, I absolutely love Kurt Angle as a wrestler. I think he could work anybody and make it look amazing. I think he has some of the best feuds of all time, like with certain people. Oh, for sure. Um, and this does not get talked about enough. No, the magic that they put on at WrestleMania was uh, to the point where in Michaels's book. Uh, he talks about how when they got backstage, everybody was applauding. And then Undertaker pulled them aside and was like, I don't know if anybody's going to top that, boys. <laughs> great job. You you guys did incredible doing that. He really was Mr. WrestleMania. That second stretch, He I don't think he had a bad WrestleMania match. I don't know who he was against in 24, but I know it went, it went Jericho, triple threat with Benoit, Triple H. That match with Angle. Um... 22. Ah, oh, the Vince McMahon street fight was. Nah. I but, liked uh, it, though. I, it was fun. Gimmicky. It was fun for what it Gimmicky. was. So fun. 23 was, was Cena. I don't remember who 24 was. And then 25 and 26 were. were Undertaker. Undertaker. Uh, he worked. <sighs> I'm trying to think of who it was that WrestleMania before. It. I want to say it was JBL. Maybe. Let's see. He'd seen a, and then who else? He's out on the poster. He might have actually been participating. No, he was on it. There's no way he wasn't. Oh, it was, it was, um, no, no, no. It was. Oh, Ric Flair. Ric Flair. Oh, duh. Duh. I, get, I don't know how I forgot that. I'm of course. Res- uh, Mr. WrestleMania. Yeah. So out of all that, the bit, one one low point is Vince McMahon. I, 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 I did enjoy it too. I could spend a whole episode talking about. Either of the Undertaker-Michaels matches. Oh, for sure. Either of them. For sure. We could break it down moment to moment. We probably could. Yeah, probably. The best moments in it. Um, but yes, that is Shawn Michaels' first appearance on this list for me. And he comes in at number seven for Angles, Angle and Michaels at WrestleMania 21. All right. Very good. Number six. All right. Number six. Matt. All right, my man. Number six for me. Uh... This might be the only TNA one. Do you have any TNA ones? No, I don't. You know, I could never really watch TNA. I didn't grow up with cable. So okay. I only had, you were talking about the Raw, raw option earlier. I never got to ra- watch Raw either unless I was at Steve's or someone else right. like that. But SmackDown, 8 p.m. on Thursday nights, man, it was the best. And then they switched to Fridays again. Oh, my God. That was the best switch because then I could watch the second hour because I didn't have to go to bed. Right, yeah. right. That was a huge plus. That was a huge plus. Um, so, yeah, so this is what drew me into TNA. Again, I said that Christian is a top five favorite for me, all right? Um, top five wrestler for me. Mm-hmm. Um, he leaves WWE, and I'm sad. And he goes over to this product, TNA, which I've watched in bits and pieces, and I'm like, it's pretty cool, but it just seems low-budget. You know the six sided ring is weird. Uh, the the small crowd is like it, it takes you out of it. I did not like the. I, I wasn't a big fan of the commentary, but Christian goes over there and I'm like, I still want to watch this dude. And yes. um, I followed it. I I moved. I, I started watching TNA a bunch. I watched TNA just because Christian was over there. So he's going. He's got a sweet theme. He's he's getting some great rivalries. He's battling with Rhino and and Monty Brown and. And, and so many people, and he eventually works his way up to a title match. All right, this is really cool because Christian in title matches isn't a very isn't something you see and uh, and you don't say it, see it a lot. He had a couple couple. I think he had one heavyweight title match his last year, and that was a triple threat with Jericho and Cena. Yeah. Vengeance two thousand and five. Uh, 
Wow, that was a great memory on uh, that. I do. I Christian like I again so good, and that was a fun time. Cause I was like, man, Christian's finally getting a push, and then he was out. He did. He you know what? He did compete in a battle in like oh, a six, six man, man thing on SmackDown. on SmackDown for a title that didn't end up existing. That's right. Because Batista ended up getting That's drafted. That's fair. He was the second to last. He was the second to last. That yes. is another great memory. Um, and then Undertaker Muhammad Hassan never got officially eliminated. It was really weird. But that was Chris, a weird match. But they were cheering for Christian, and, and they wanted it. And I was excited because Great American Bash was coming to Buffalo. Yeah. And it would have been Christian in the main event. Mm-hmm. Christian, side note, was did Russell Booker T that night. He lost... But people were cheering for Christian. Oh, I he, bet. that's how over he was. That's awesome. But here he is in the world title, a world title match against Jeff Jarrett, who is um, <laughs> Jeff was never like one of those guys like man Jeff Jarrett, right? But his portrayal in TNA was like the Triple H. He won all the time. I think he was like a three time world champion at that point. And Christian goes up against him, and it's this twenty minute just back-and-forth contest where you think that Jarrett's won again. Gail Kim comes out and, and helps out, you know, Jeff Jarrett, because I think they were, she was managing Jeff at that time. It was just really weird for me for these two guys who were perceived as nothing more than mid-carders in WWE um, going out there and killing it. Mm. And, uh, yeah, this is against all odds in 2006, and then Christian gets the big one. Uh, it's a really cool scene where... Uh, again, back and forth, back and forth. Jeff goes for the stroke. Uh, Christian slips out of the back, goes for the unprettier, hits it, drops him. One, two, three. And Christian is world champion. And uh, this was interesting. The The timing of this was, was very interesting. If I remember correctly, uh, WWE actually put the belt on edge to answer this. Mm. That wouldn't make sense. Because they're like, oh, we can't have Christian be going and being a world champion on another TV show and and not showcase Edge. So I, I again, I don't remember the exact timing. I don't remember the exact timing, but I don't think Edge was a world champion. And people were like, wow, this is cool to see Christian as a heavyweight champion, and he was mm-hmm. NWA champion for quite some time. I think he had two runs with the belt, this one, and then another one as a heel, where he turned on Sting. But it was so cool to see Christian with the NWA title. And then he won it again like two years ago or so, which was a crazy moment. Yes, that's mm-hmm. right. He did. He beat Kenny Omega on an episode of uh, of Dynamite. Yeah. And, he, and dude, was, he's still in great shape, too. It wasn't even. No, it was Rampage. It was one of the first episodes of Rampage that he did that. Yeah. And that was a big thing. People were like, did he just win the TNA title again? It was kind of cool for people to be able to see him do that. Yeah, that many years in between. If you don't know the the you know, if you're just looking at results like wow, Christian won it and all those time, years you know, yeah. all those years in between. But um I'm glad that Christian got the respect that he wanted. I know it was on a much smaller stage, but he got that push and it was just it was just cool to see him showcase and be the best version of himself. I agree. Um I know I don't think he's very fond of his time in TNA. I, I don't know what his feelings are on it. I know he wasn't happy to get sent back there uh, during like a trade for Ric Flair. It was like 2011, yeah, 2012. He wasn't, like he wasn't stoked about it. But uh, Christian versus Jeff Jarrett is on that because it's actually a really, really good match. You know, I know people everyone's used to the big crowds, WWE, but it's it's easy to look past. So I love it. Um, speaking of places with not big crowds, 
<laughs> I have to give props to who I think is the greatest wrestler of all time. And nobody even knows his name for the most part. Um, <clears throat> but Matt DeMorest is one of the best that has ever existed. This man is a solid 6'2", about 250 easily on any given day, and he can move like no one you have ever seen in your entire life. This man is so agile, like he just makes up flips. He would just be an ETTW doing any type of thing that he could twist his body to get to do. But he was also innovating tons of shit. He has... um. The the downfall remix, which was almost like a reverse go to sleep, where you'd get picked up for almost like a torture rack and get flipped off that and then take a knee as you were standing back up. I saw people take this thing gorgeously over my time in backyard wrestling. But it's him versus a man named Alex Zane, who has actually spent time in NXT, if I remember correctly okay. at this point. This is their second match. Their first match, he got a legitimate shoulder injury, and they had to call the match early. This match is them just picking off exactly, picking up exactly where they left off in it. Move after move, beautiful technical wrestling display, all this stuff that that you're thinking, holy shit, they're gonna kill each other at this point if they keep going at this at this rate. A beautiful bump into a chain link fence that I I will never forget on just the brutality of how it looked when he went over. But him and Alex are going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. At one point, Demoris falls out of the ring, hits his shoulder the wrong way. Re-injures it, and ever and everybody's like, "Oh, damn it! Here we go." TKO and uh, another ETTW guy get him up to help him out of the arena. Alex starts clapping to everybody, getting uh, getting him wild up. He's like, "It." Then he says, "He says, uh, the I. It's all well and good, and I understand the injury, but this isn't over yet." And bounces off the ropes and immediately dives back out onto them. It was a shoot, there, uh, or it was a work. They're working, uh, they're working us at this part. The ETTW guys are trying to get him back. Like he's hurt, he's hurt. Demoris charges through them and starts battering him again. They get back in the ring. Demoris takes a knee, legitimately breaks his nose in this process. Gets stuck in an armbar. You see the blood dripping from Demoris' nose onto Alex Zane during this. It is a beautiful masterpiece of a match. It is the best storytelling in backyard wrestling you will ever see in your entire life. Oh. Alex Zane versus Matt Demoris, number two specifically. It's still up there. I looked recently, and you can see the edit that's, that they do. Okay, But it is... There's something about that that you look at it and it's just freaking breathtaking. I'll never forget where I was the first time I watched it on YouTube. And it was me, Kevin, and another friend a friend of ours, shout out Randy Philbrick, Randy Flame from the uh, Oliver Street Express. Man, it it was it, it was one of those matches that at the time it makes you want to push yourself to do better. Yeah. You're like, people our age are doing this. Shit, I gotta do more. Sorry, mom. I was doing so good. Um, but that was an incredible, incredible display of wrestling. And like I said, I think Matt DeMorris is the greatest of all time and deserves a lot more 
uh, respect than he gets. He's going to be one of the most known unknowns ever for a lot of crowds. Um, and he deserved a spot on this list. So my number six is Matt Morris versus Alex Zane, number two. All right. Very good. Very good. Thank you, sir. We are top five in it now. Top five. Let's hear your number five. All right, my man. Number five for me, it is 2001. It is Unforgiven. It is the middle of the Invasion storyline, which was largely a letdown in hindsight. However, uh, one of the pinnacles, they are in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And Stone Cold Steve Austin, I think a month or two after winning the title from Kurt Angle, is defending it against Kurt Angle. And this is like, Really good Kurt Angle, not like not like 2005, 2006 Kurt Angle, but this is pretty damn good for for Kurt Angle with hair. Before they kind of, well, actually, yeah, he's he was so weird. He could do comedy, then turn it up, but he was pretty serious at this point. It was just such a cool moment to get Austin to tap out to the ankle lock in Pittsburgh. The crowd is going nuts, and he gets hoisted up by his own family. But it's just like it's so weird for me to watch a Stone Cold Steve Austin match now because all I know him for was run in. Drink beer, middle finger, Stone Cold Stunner. And that's largely what I know him from. Yeah. And to see him actually have a competitive match, which is weird, and a lot of people have not witnessed that. A lot of people have not sat and watched the Stone Cold Steve Austin match, unfortunately. Um, The dude can go. Yeah. He can really go, and it was just tremendous back and forth. I think Kurt Angle hit a Stone Cold Stunner. Um, Austin hit a terrible-looking uh, angle slam, but it was just so bad. It was just it just didn't look. I mean, obviously that's what it's supposed to look like, right? And that's just to be perfect uh, carbon copies. But it was just tremendous. And like, what a cool moment for Kurt. I think he ended up turning heel and then turning on the uh, uh, alliance or he didn't, joining the alliance not too long after. Yeah, that. I think but, so. Um, it I was the secret spot. You ended up returning on the. It was just it was it was a very fun set of circumstances. Um, but yes, Austin versus Angle, 2001 Unforgiven. Highly, highly regard this matchup, especially the crowd pop. I know it's easy to be, you know, to win a big match in your hometown, but um, they were absolutely electric for this. And it was a, yeah. this is a top billing match uh, back then. It is, absolutely. Um, like I said, Angle could work anybody and make it look insanely good. Yeah. He has some great matches with The Rock, too. Like, there there are definitely some ones I remember really, really fondly. It's a shame that Time Warner had all those contracts for WCW because that invasion storyline could have been so cool. I wish they, I just wish they would, I wish they would have waited. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, I think you have to strike while the iron is hot. And, uh, yeah, the invasion storyline was just really disappointing. If you look at it retrospectively for, for those wrestling fans, it ended up being WWE guys versus three WWE guys and two two actual alliance people. Yeah. Right? Like Booker T and RVD were the only ones who succeeded <laughs> on the alliance side. And, yeah, it was just disappointing uh, retrospectively. But but a, a cool concept. Mm, I agree. Um, my number five. This is one... That I like for a lot of different reasons. I like it because of the runs that uh, both of them were. Well, I guess not both of them, but at least uh, one of them was on at the time. Uh, But this match just made a lot of sense to me. Um, The match I'm referring to is Rey Mysterio versus Edge for the World Heavyweight title at Royal Rumble 2008. Oh, okay. Um, 
this is a great match for a lot of different reasons. Um, both men are established as having championship potential at this point, right? You've, we've seen them both with title runs. Um, we have uh, seen them overcome the odds over and over again. Edge is in the middle of his La Familia uh, storyline with uh, with Kurt Hawkins, Zack Ryder, and uh, Vicky Guerrero as his girlfriend, which is really odd. And uh, Chavo, Chavo as well is in that. And then I think they had like an enforcer at some point too, but he didn't stick around for too long. Man, most hated group on SmackDown at that time between Vicky's uh, arrogance. Or, or not, yeah, arrogance, I guess, and her obnoxious voice with, like, how loud she was uh, being the GM and having control over everything. The uh, odds being stacked up against Ray. But I, what I love about, I don't, there's not a ton specifically that I'm like, oh, they had this spot that I thought was really innovative. They have this spot that was this or whatever. It's all very, very good. It's all very good. What I love about this match is the fact that Ray and uh, Edge in real life are very, very good friends. Yeah. Like, they are very good friends. They were tag team champs, I think, at one mm-hmm. point. 2002. They uh, sure were. Yep. Um, and watching them do that match, the chemistry is so very apparent. It's just one of those things where you look and you're like, you could work the, like these guys could just work each other forever. Yeah, like that's how well they know each other and that's how well they work wrestling. There was a point with I feel like I'm talking about backyard wrestling a lot during this, but there was no uh, there was a point where where I was like that with Kevin, where we were the only two ones that were really in the yard wanting to do work every day, and it was just the two of us for a little bit. This is when we went to like ETTW together and stuff. And me and him could put together a match like you wouldn't believe. After a while, we just kind of knew. We were just like, okay, we're going to go out there, do this, this, and this. We had a training session with Thurston the one time, and before we were even through, like, bump drills, I'm, like, planning the match with Kevin, and Thurston called us out on it, too. So I think he was – I hurt my ankle that day, but I'm pretty sure he was going to split us up no matter what. (laughs) Um, But when I watched that match with Ray and Edge, it just looks like – they can plan it perfectly from beginning to end. And it was it was the best match of that month, I remember that, it's very specifically, because of just how perfectly it flowed. And it had exactly what you would expect it to end with, which was like Ray hitting the 619, he gets distracted a second, he goes for the West Coast pop, he gets hit with the spear as he's going with the West Coast pop. Really good looking, too. Like, all really, really good looking stuff. But there's something about a certain chemistry that catches me when it comes to matches, and that is two men at a great point in their career to be doing that. And it just made sense for where they were. And it's at the Royal Rumble. It's one of the big four right. that you have every year. They they got a great showcase for that opportunity. And that's one of the best edge runs that you'll find where he's working everybody really, really well. And and beautifully. So my number five is Edge versus Rey Mysterio at Royal Rumble 2008. Very good. That was at MSG, right? Yes. Is that yeah, the one where was. Cena returned to, yes, I think? I think Cena was. returned to that Rumble. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody, nobody was expecting it. He got a That was wild. That man is Superman. He can come back from any injury like you wouldn't believe. I really think John Cena is probably like super underappreciated. Not, a, not just as a wrestling guy. You know, now? Yeah. Yeah. I think 
He was one of those ones where he had to be gone for a few years to for people to realize what he was. Even his character, right? Even him as a person. You look back, like never any legal trouble, right? He's always been straight and narrow, hardworking dude, and literally goes the extra mile, make a wish, and all oh, that yeah. stuff. He was unshakable. He's a, granted more wishes than like anybody at the Make a yeah. Wish Foundation. You know, you look back, and Hogan has a you know an interesting history. Stone Cold, to say the least. To say the least. You know, Stone Cold had some legal issues. The Rock, uh, he's he's pretty clean for the most relatively, part. Relatively, people don't have good things to say about him. That's I mean, true. he comes off a little weird, like, too... Now, I don't want to say positive, but he kind of comes out like a little Grass uppity sometimes. Grass is very sometime. green on his side. Yes, yeah. and Bersina, like, he's low-key. He motivates people. He's just, I don't know... It, Stuff could always come out, but you never really hear a bad thing no. about John. No, personally, I anybody who's ever like worked backstage at WWE, I just hear how much like he's cracking dad jokes the whole time. Like he tries being around, like yeah. he's around the locker room, which I think is cool. One of my favorite stories with him, we're we're getting totally off topic right now, but um, can't remember which WrestleMania it was, but uh, they had a. Brodus Clay came out and had a moment as like the Funkasaurus and they were not going to do it at all. And like, not at all. And Cena was about to go out for his match or whatever. And he goes, uh, you know what? I got to pee. What do you think Brodus about three minutes? And then just like left and waited so that he could do that thing for him. But he just, he was, yeah, I got to pee real quick. Uh, what do you think? Three minutes? All right, I'll be back. <laughs> just like goes, does his thing. Probably just waited backstage real quick for him yeah. to do it. Like, just that's, gave them something. That's who he is. He's a good guy. He's yeah. a good guy. And very, very good for wrestling. For 100%. Sure. 100%. Um, awesome. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, number four number we're up four. to now. This is very difficult. Yeah, I know. Uh, I am going to go with this one. It is from 2006. No way out. Uh, and up until this point, this is the best Undertaker match ever. Uh, it is Kurt Angle versus Undertaker for the World Heavyweight Championship. Yes. Legit. I'm like, I'm not kidding. This is the, prior to like after this shot, the two Shawn Michaels matches. I'm not gonna say they blow it out of the water, but they supersede it. But at this point. Undertaker versus Kurt Angle, and people don't talk about this. When people look at Undertaker and his best matches, it's a lot of moments, mm. all right? Okay, him and Foley in the Hell in a Cell. Um, him, you know, kind of beating Hulk Hogan back in the day. There's a lot of other stuff. It was so refreshing to see Undertaker, Dead Man Undertaker, getting technical and going toe-to-toe and just kind of really showing off. Instead of being a gimmick, right? Instead of his gimmick... You know, just just powers and I'm just gonna tombstone you and stuff. He still got his stuff in, mm-hmm. but he worked. He worked, worked, worked with yeah, Kurt. He did. They went half an hour. It was amazing. I'll never forget it. Half an hour. I loved it. And this is a cool little run for Kurt, right? He was on Raw. Uh, Batista got hurt. He transferred over, and he showed up on SmackDown, and he was he won a battle royal to be World Heavyweight Champion. Royal Rumble, he defended against Mark Henry, and then Taker like returned and showed up, and it was lightning that hit the ring yeah. post. Yeah, and they just went at it, no way out. And it was they had a really good encounter too in in, in two thousand and three. 
on yes. SmackDown that I think went to like a double. I think it was a tap out pin combo. Yeah, they, they nobody, but this was the best their best encounter hands down hands by down. far. I'm I'm sad we didn't get to see like a, a, a real conclusion to it. I know Kurt Angle won. He eventually lost the title the next month to to Ray in that triple threat match with Orton, but. Well, if I remember correctly, because Mark Henry was weaved into that storyline throughout. So he, Mark Henry was like the favorite to win the Battle Royal, and then Kurt Angle showed up. Yeah. He ends up eliminating Mark Henry last with like some head scissors that he had him trapped with. Yes, yes. Um, works him at Royal Rumble. Uh, Undertaker and Kurt start feuding, and then the SmackDown before No Way Out. This is the stupid shit that stays in my memory. Sorry, Mom, that's another one. Um, <laughs> I haven't sworn once yet. I know! <laughs> I'm just here disappointing my mother. Uh, <laughs> but they, um, the SmackDown before No Way Out, Undertaker kind of like sent a message to uh to angle by choke slamming Mark Henry and then tombstoning him. Yep. And then they had that match. And then on SmackDown, that week or the week after, they wrestled again so that they could have like a definitive answer. Yeah. And Undertaker had him pinned and and Mark Henry came in and uh took out the Undertaker and they ended up working at WrestleMania, WrestleMania that yep. year. In the only casket match at WrestleMania to this day, I believe. I believe so. Yeah. Um Man, yeah, you just brought back that that awakened something in me. I'd forgotten about that match for a second. You're wrestling, yeah. But every time it's like when someone mentions it to me, I'm like, oh my god, yes, that one. I so we can we can keep talking about Taker here too because he's my he's my next entry on here. Oh, is it? He uh, he could do no wrong with certain people. There's definitely like you're saying. There was a curve, right? He didn't start working some of his best matches until I started watching wrestling. I would say so, yeah. WrestleMania 21, he worked Orton, and that was like the first really good match I saw him do. Yeah. It was, he really put Orton over in that match, even though he won. He really put Orton over. And they feuded the whole next year. One of my favorite wrestling memories ever is going to a SmackDown house show a few days after Christmas, because my dad knew how bad I wanted tickets, so he got them for me as a late present. And we went, and the co-main was Undertaker versus Randy Orton, and it was just a house show. So they did basically the exact match they did at WrestleMania. And it was so cool to just see that in person. Like, I just wanted that so bad. When people talk about The Undertaker and working really, 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 really good matches... They forget about him working one person in particular who was always taking shit for having crappy matches and not doing enough, and that is Batista. Oh, yes. Undertaker versus Batista at WrestleMania 23 in Detroit, Michigan, is a forgotten gem. That match is so good, I used to have it on my old iPod Touch and I would like just watch it in class if I got bored in high school. I was en route to Disney when that happened. Man, I could not wait to look up the results. It was so good. It was so good to the point where Batista started getting booed for work just for working the Undertaker. Yeah, man, what a match that was. I I can't even pull specific things because it's such a good 
another good example of face versus face, but he's kind of turning. They should have probably turned him heel right after that, Batista. It was, it is, it, that was one of the few face versus face ones, but it was a, it was a, he, they were trying to make him the face of SmackDown, which which makes this all this all very tricky, yeah, um, as well because yeah, Batista, who two years ago he won the belt at WrestleMania, the previous year he was injured, couldn't do it. Is he and he just kind of won the World Heavyweight Title back? Is he yeah. really going to drop it to the Undertaker and then he have the undefeated at WrestleMania Undertaker? Yeah. The and stakes were high. The stakes were really high, and fans were really wondering, what are they going to do here? Like, yeah. what is actually going to happen? But everybody also wanted to see Undertaker hold the belt again. I think that was his first title hold, held since 2002. Mm-hmm. Since he won it from Hogan. Yeah, it, that, yes, that he won it from Hogan, lost it to The Rock. But he was always challenging, but couldn't win, but right? Couldn't he lost. Win. He lost challenged JBL Brock a bunch a of times. times. He lost to JBL. Mm-hmm. Is he really going to do it? And he it was... really going to do it? And he did it. Yep. And he did it. And it was kind of his first legit title. He didn't have too many like lengthy, lengthy reigns. But I don't know how much he liked being champ when he was champ. He didn't need it. That's the best thing about it. That's he didn't need it. But, an... it, but you want the fans wanted to see him right. as champ. He's a draw no matter. what. And I love that big gold belt. And it just it look it looks good on everybody. But it, it looked, looked great it was, on him. Yes, it did. It would have looked way better than seeing his spinning belt did on him. <laughs> like that wouldn't have that wouldn't have looked good. Big gold is my favorite belt of uh, all yeah. time. I actually kind of want a replica of it. <laughs> I just I, so I think of this match and the one thing that stands out to me is the fact that Batista had such a big chip on his shoulder because he felt like they should have been either higher on the card. He felt like he was being overlooked because of all the injury and yeah. all the stuff that he thought he could do that people didn't think he could. Then they go out there and do that. And he says he walked backstage and he looked at it and the first thing he said was, beat that. That's what he said immediately when he got back. And good for him. Yeah. Because he just, that match absolutely deserves it. They pull out every stop between the both of them. Yeah. And it's perfect. It's the best. It might be the best Batista match there is out there. I would probably agree with that. Mm-hmm. I would either him, agree with that. Either that or him and Triple H at WrestleMania 21. Because that match is great, that too. That was good, too. They go a long time, and that's the first time you can really see that Batista can, like, wrestle his ass off. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, Batista's a guy who never laid down and accepted anything, and I admire that about him. I, even in the acting world right now, he is probably the best wrestler-turned-actor out there. Because the he's taking tons of stuff that's out of his range, and he's still doing it. Yeah, that, well, that's the thing is that he has range, and that's yeah. where The Rock suffers is he's the same person. Where Cena kind of suffers at points, too. He's getting better, though. He's getting he has gotten a lot better. better. He has gotten a lot better. He's taking some romantic comedies and stuff like that. Come a long way since The Marine. Oh, yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I remember watching it. Marine was pretty good, but there's been some doozies along the way. Oh, for sure. Marine, 12 rounds. Uh, <laughs> And then he stopped for a while, and then he's really got yes good for with sure. It, so. um, yes, but my number four was Undertaker versus Batista at WrestleMania twenty three in Detroit, Michigan. Very good, thank you. Excellent sir. choice, buddy. Top three, top three. All right, it's getting even tougher, but I have to put this one here. I think it belongs here. Uh, this was also at No Way Out or Elimination Chamber. I think it might have been called Elimination Chamber at this point. Two thousand fourteen, great year for wrestling, honestly. Uh, and it's a it's probably the highlight of the show. Mm-hmm. This is actually a really good card, but um, it, I think it's long forgotten because I think only one, 
to I think only half the participants are still yeah only half the participants are still there. This is the Shield versus Wyatt six man tag team match from No Way Out 2014. Um, Shield consisting of Ambrose, Rollins, Reigns, Wyatt family of Eric Rowan, uh, Luke Harper, God rest his soul, rest aka Brody Lee, and uh, and Bray Wyatt. And this was methodical. God, they damn, let him go for like match. half an hour. Some twenty minutes, something like that, and I just adored watching this thing. It was, it, it was so great how it just how fast it started. It was a fight. It was two heel tag teams going head to head. Started off with something over the Royal Rumble, and just going head to head, and just I mean, just watching. You know, I, I miss watching Brody just fly around like a little guy, right? He's taking these dives, um, but it was so cool to watch the Wyatt family systematically at the end. Break down the shield, yes. right? Okay, it's three on one. We're gonna pick them apart here. I think Rollins was the first one down, and then they put Ambrose through a table, and then Reigns, I think, was the last one where they got the pinfall. And it was it was really good, and they got high regards for it. They just went out there and did what they did best. It they let them fly off the handles, but it was, it was excellent. Two of the best tag teams in an era where tag teams were really really hot, and just just killed it. Wasn't it cool to watch everybody find out what we already knew? Oh, yeah. I think that's something that will always be special to, like, you and me and anybody that was, like, in Flower City or anybody that was doing, like, ESW up here. We all knew what, like, not only Brody, but, like, everybody else. We know what those guys are capable of. Yeah. And... My God, to watch him succeed like that on that date. That was his first big one. That was his first real big one where everybody was like, holy shit, these guys are awesome. Yeah. Like, these guys are so, so good. They should have they should have let him do a little bit more singles-wise, for sure. Yeah, I was disappointed in the singles. I know he was, too, about, you know, with uh, Brody referring to, but... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had an intercontinental title run that was very brief. He also had a singles run where um, he was chasing Bray. Yeah. And we got, he had a number one contenders match, match with Orton on SmackDown. And it was really, really good. And it just it, it didn't pan out. AJ's feet hit the floor first. That's... I got to keep I'm going to just keep pointing that out forever. AJ's feet hit the floor in that battle royal. <laughs> then Luke's hit. Yep. It wasn't even a contest. Yeah, that was another thing I f- completely forgot about. Oh man, that was brutal. But it was a, it was a good little run for him, and then he, they just did nothing with it. Yeah. It was silly. Yeah, but he got to finish strong with AEW, which I was he did happy he about. did I, I you know of course I wish I would have got to see, everybody wish they could have seen that unfold a little bit more. But yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, but that's a that six man is one of it might be one of the best six man tags ever. I would say so. Yeah, it's, it was insane. Yeah, it was so good. They were the best things going at that time. They were. Um, Okay. Top three gets really hard. Okay. This is where I'm putting Jericho and Benoit at the Royal Rumble 2001 for, I believe, the Intercontinental title? Yeah. Yes. I'm pretty sure you're right. Um, My God, what a fantastic match. The two great technical wrestlers, right? who know each other very, 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 very well. Adding the hardcore aspect that they also know very, very well. 
It's the most systematic beatdown you've ever seen in your entire life. And it is brutal. The thing that always stands out in my mind is Benoit diving out of the ring like three or four minutes into the match and Jericho just straight up throwing a chair at his head as he's going out of the ring. As soon as that happens, you know what you're in for. Oh, yeah. Like, this is not going to be like a walk through the park. This is not going to be a picnic. These are two of the greatest wrestlers that have ever lived, ever. Jericho is making a stronger case as the GOAT Every day that he keeps wrestling. That dude has found a way to evolve over 30-something years now. 30-something years. And stay relevant, stay good, and looking in good shape. People are like, oh, he's still fat. Yeah, you look that way at his age. You look that way wrestling at his age. Look at Ric Flair right now. Like, look at anybody that stayed wrestling at that point. They look terrible. Goldberg looks not Great. He got big, and then Jericho disappeared for a little while and came back in fantastic shape. Fantastic shape. Yeah. And, um, man, this one in particular, because you're so used to seeing the technical beauty that um, they do, this stands out to me so much because you get to see them at their full, like, play with everything. Yeah. Play with everything that they absolutely love. Um, that image of Jericho giving the walls on the ladder to Benoit when they're both bent over it. Oh, yeah. It's one of my favorite wrestling images ever because, like, the look on Jericho's face is like he's torquing it too. And it, it's – the imagery is beautiful. That Royal Rumble in particular is an excellent Royal Rumble it from is. top to bottom. It may be one of the best ones ever. But – that match steals the show. Yeah. Which it's it's halfway up the card. And it's crazy to think that that's the thing that's going to take it, especially when the damn Royal Rumble match is on it, right? But that one surprised the hell out of everybody. And it's it's two of my favorites doing just working magic in the ring. Yeah. And, and like you said, you can separate – the actions of Benoit from the wrestler Benoit. Yes. And that's one of those instances where I absolutely have to. Yeah. I mean, that was the start of a really good stretch for Benoit, too, because he did, he had the match at Jericho. Yes. Um, he had Angle at WrestleMania 17, which is one of the best technical wrestling matches of all time. Sure is. And I think he had a neck injury, which slowed down his push. But he came, when he came back, he was... Uh, you know, him and Jer- well, hold on. Him and Jericho were a tag team. Uh, mm-hmm. and they were tag team champs for a minute. And then an injury happened and so on and so forth. But Benoit can't. I mean, that was him showing that he could be like one of the main eventers. Man, what that WrestleMania match with Kurt Angle where the whole thing is like, oh, he made you tap, but it didn't count or whatever. And then in the match, like Angle wins in some shady way. And right after it, Mania, they're doing a promo where Kurt's talking about uh, how I, how he won in that. And Chris comes back and taps him out again. It was so good. It was such good storytelling. The storytelling has to be good for yes. wrestling. It has to be. It's 90% of it. It really is. And then the payoff is the other 10% that you need. 100%. Ugh. 100%. So yes. good. Uh, yeah, it fills in very nicely. So that's it's a really good one. I'm glad to hear that, you know, Thank you're you. like-minded where you can, we can separate that and we can talk, talk about Chris Benoit, the performer. Absolutely. All right. Top two. You're number Top two. Top two. Man. So challenging. It's more of a 1A, 1B, but... I just rewatched this match today. It is from WrestleMania 10. It is the opener and probably the best opener of WrestleMania match, uh, of WrestleMania all time. Owen Hart versus Bret Hart. 
Oh, yes. This yes. was crazy. I couldn't believe how like fast paced and technical this match was, you know. And and this is I think the one of the first, if not the first, brother versus brother storyline. Um, and it was just it was so it was so cool. Owen Hart, the the chippy, almost whiny, seemingly little brother who who wanted to be rec- as recognized as Owen, as Brett, big brother Brett, and they had an absolute classic here. It was. Oh, it's fast paced. It was mostly, it was honestly all technical. Most of it match was technical, which is really hard to come by now. Um, almost like uh, when Ziggler and Daniel Bryan went to head to head in like, I think, Bragging Rights 2011. Yeah. But they, yeah. they had a really good full, the full match was technical and, and, you know, they finished how they finish. But yeah, so Owen gets the win and actually starts off this, this, um, it ignites this little feud that I think culminates. Well, it goes on for a long time in the background, but it culminates at a at SummerSlam that year with a steel cage match. But this one was fast paced. It had, a, it, Brett had to wrestle it so we can f- wrestle Yokozuna later in the night. And, uh, yeah, I, again, I, I absolutely admire uh, and adore Owen Hart. And honestly, this is probably one of the best. I mean, Brett's had a lot of really good matches, but this one's really this one's up there with uh, his match with Sean at twelve, uh, his match with Davy Boy in, in in England. Like this one is one of those these premier top end Owen Hart or Bret Hart matches. Um, but pro- obviously, my favorite Owen Hart match of all time. Yes. So. Oh, so good. <sighs> okay. Yeah, this is really a 1A, 1B type of situation. Yeah. I'm going to go with my heart for my number one. So this is, this is number two is going to be a close, close, close second. Okay. We're going to talk about some, you just talked about a technical guy, and we talked about um, both of these men already to an extent. There are very few rematches that live up to the actual match. But there's one particular that stands out to me that I don't know how they topped the previous match. And not only did they top it, but they topped it 24 hours after they did the first one. I'm talking about Shawn Michaels and John Cena on the Raw after WrestleMania. And this is also after WrestleMania 23. I think the Undertaker-Batista match takes over their their match from that night. Yeah. But one of the reasons for that is because the match on Raw the next day was so damn good. It was so damn good. It was like, how are you pulling this off right now? You just worked a 30-minute match last night. And they went for an hour. Yeah. They wrestled. Think about, think about what I just said. John Cena and Shawn Michaels main evented WrestleMania 23. And then 24 hours later, they put on... A longer, better match. That's that's unheard of. Best performers, man. It's unheard of to do that. With a whole different ending, Michaels won. It was non-title from what I remember. And Michaels got the sweet chin music in the three. Yeah. 
and it was un- it was unbelievable to see them do that. It was this magic that you were like it was almost like, "Oh, you didn't appreciate this the first time." All right, we're going to come back and we're going to do this even better. Were the raw, the the raw after WrestleMania crowds as hot as they ended up being back then? Yeah, I think so. I think they were real hot that night. Yeah, and it was it it was mind blowing. It was absolutely mind blowing that they did that. I I I don't even spots aside anything like that. the The circumstances alone would warrant like the the rematch is never better for the most part because you've seen usually it right we we've seen we've seen the fizzle outs countless times on certain things but but for that short of amount of time to pass and for those two guys to just create that magic just everything you would expect from them and to have Cena who like now he's getting in his hated era right because he's winning every time yeah he was getting booed a lot yeah but now he's this is the chip on his shoulder era where he's like okay you want to see what I could do all right I'm gonna go out and do it and him and Michaels just put on a classic that night. Yeah. And this was, I think, the only Raw entry that I had or any kind of, like, main show one. And it had to be something that was really monumental that people forget about. And if you I ha- forgot about it. If you haven't seen this match, do please do yourself a favor if you're listening at home. Go and watch it. Go watch both. Honestly, if you have the time, watch the WrestleMania match and then watch the next day so you can see just how incredible the, the two of them are standing alone. I reading backstage I there you know, backstage dirt sheet stuff, I apparently Sean didn't respect Cena at all until after that match. And yeah. they had several interactions. Uh, but that's I mean that's kind of how Sean was. He was, you know, again, one of the best perform- one of the best performers of all time. He had a Measuring stick was high, but so that Cena could go like that, mm-hmm. you know, endless just endless kudos, endless kudos, and that yeah, that that was a great feud. They were tag team champs at one point, um, but some really, I think they might have been tag team champs going into WrestleMania. Yeah, and you know what? As far as a lot of people are concerned with uh, this this Cena Michaels match too. It's one of the last times Cena lost clean. Yeah. Like, clean as a whistle. No shenanigans, no nothing. He went out on Didn't his Didn't happen back. much, yeah. yeah. I think Daniel that. Bryan in 2013 might be the la- the other time I could think of. Yeah. Yeah, but it's few and far between the guys that he's done that for. Yeah. And it just shows you the respect level, too, I feel Oh, like. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but that had to be on there. I, I think it's an absolute classic, that yeah. one. Great choice. Yeah. Great choice. I'm dying to hear your number one. Okay. I am, and likewise for you. My number one, and this match is notorious for one reason. Just one reason. But I think there's a lot more to it, and that's why it's my top underrated match. This is the main event of WrestleMania 19 uh, between Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar. Oh, yes. Two people who... Actually inspired, and I didn't see this match till years down the road, but two people who inspired me uh, to join the high school wrestling team. Uh, two technical wrestlers going at head-to-head, 
uh, in a very highly anticipated match that's been building forever. People want to see these two go head to head forever because of their 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 credentials as amateur wrestlers or collegiate, you know, Olympic folk. We'll call them folk style um, or freestyle Greco, whatever the style was. Um, you know that pedigree, mm-hmm. right? Uh, these guys went at like I, I I Brock is in that top five for me, yeah, as well, and so was Kurt Angle. So for me, real short, my top five: it's Martel, Owen Hart, uh, Angle, Lesnar, and Christian. That's my top five. I love it. That's a great so top five. It's unique. I mean, Christian's not too many people's top fives, but I I, I see where you know, it, but I see things a different way. But this was a actual really tremendous match again the technical showcasing usually these big wrestlemania main events they show off they do a little technical stuff but it's always been big guy versus big guy right it's you know you have your hogan and andres hogan and bundy um you know austin and rock and and doing what they do best but for two accomplished amateur wrestlers to go and, and and do what they pulled off and again, the only mar on it is the the botch shooting star press, which to me it doesn't take away from the match. It would have been crazy if he hit it. I know Brock was pissed backstage afterwards, but the dude finished the match with a concussion. Yeah, and like, thank God he didn't break his neck. Doing I know. That. Like Jesus, he went down. He goes down hard in that moment. It was bad. Yeah, and you're right. That's the moment a lot of people remember. But the match up until that point is fantastic. It's so freaking good. And the fact that he hits the F5 after on him, too, is a miracle. Yeah. No, seriously. It is. Uh, and I think it's Kurt's last match for a little while. He doesn't. He had, like, neck surgery. He doesn't yes. come back till, uh July. I think he comes back before, the, right before June or July. He comes back right before the Vengeance pay-per-view. But it was this cool, like, frenemy storyline um, that they, was built on respect after that. But... Uh, they have been kind of feuding, and things have been building up since December. But I mean, it's just—it was cool. You didn't get to see that at, at, a, at a big level, you know. They just—they just technical wrestling that I adore so much, and people mm-hmm. people loved it. But um, they, they don't talk about it as one of those great main events. Yeah, I agree, and it it deserves to be talked about like that. It should, especially with Brock. Like he's he's had a lot of WrestleMania shine at this point, and I think that's. His coming of age tale right there yeah. is, is 19, especially with 20 after and how much of a disaster that was. That was, was bad. That yeah. was bad. Yeah. And his, I, I mean, obviously his second run has been a lot better than his first, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I love what wrestling, this this match meant to, I mean, I think it inspired a lot of people to join wrestling. I've also seen like footage of Brock hitting a shooting star press in like New Japan. He did and it stuff a lot. Like New Japan. He did it in his uh, OVW days. Yeah. Like, my God, for a man that big to be able to do that, he's a freak. Terrifying. He's a freak. Yeah. He's so scary. <laughs> um, my number one, and I don't know if this is going to be a, a favorite of a lot of people's. I'm not sure. Something about this match, I have always had this as one of my favorite matches of all time. I, I really don't know what it is. But it's my number one match um, for underrated matches is Mick Foley versus Edge at WrestleMania 22. This is a great one. Man, let's talk about – so let's talk about Edge in this moment. 
we touched on it earlier. He had just cashed in the money in the bank title because uh, if spe- if speculations are correct, you know they they put it on Christian. So they, it was WWE's response to Christian getting it. He holds it for you know a few weeks up until New Year three or weeks, Royal Rumble. Yeah, he held it for three weeks after New Year's Revolution till Royal Rumble has like. The live sex celebration, which was weird, and then defends it like once or twice on Raw, and then Cena gets it back, and then they're feuding a little bit more. Felt like Edge could have been dead in the water here as far as a main event push. Yeah. Really felt like... What did he do wrong? That's what you felt like. Like, what did he do wrong? Then he starts this feud with Mick, and... I think they both needed each other so bad at that time. And Mick doesn't need anybody. Like, he's a legend in his own right. But he needed that, and he didn't even know it. Like, he needed another match to his resume that was just going to be incredible. Like, he needed another five-star hardcore match. And Edge needed to bring the demon out of it. Like, he needed to bring a demon out of himself for that. And my God, the stuff they do in that match is just so incredible. Edge starts off so aggressive. Foley comes out. He's wearing a dark flannel, which everybody was like, huh, that's strange. He's wearing a dark as opposed to his red traditional one. He's going after uh, Edge. Edge eventually hits him with something. Uh, goes down for the spear, hits him with the spear, but now Edge is writh- writhing in pain. What the hell just happened? Why is he in pain? He just speared him. Foley gets up. There's his red flannel now that he takes the dark one off. What's wrapped around him? Oh, barbed wire. That's pretty. Oh, this is the match we're doing right mm-hmm. now. Ah. Okay, Lita gets plenty involved. Lita did not have to get herself involved in that match, but she did it because she wanted to add to just to it. Man, the blood that is spilled in that match is unbelievable. They don't hold anything back. They don't hold anything back for each other. Edge is like, just give me as much as you can. Mick takes one of the worst bumps on steel steps I've ever seen in my life where he hits like (sighs) knees first. Yeah, my knees hurt thinking about it. Right, exactly. And you're looking at this old Santa Claus-looking man, and you're like, oh, God. Like, why? Why are you doing this to yourself? But then it all leads to that flaming table spot at the end where Edge spears him through it. And my God, at at that age, I had never seen anything like that before, ever. And watching that DVD with, I can remember exactly where I was when I got that DVD. I think Cheese Man gave it to me for my birthday that year. Either Cheese Man or our good friend Jimmy. But it was me, those two, our friend Mikey, and like one or two other people from grade school. Just watching that. Because not a lot of people are into that. But we're putting on like the ones that we want to watch from the DVD because I just gotten it. And we watched that match. And we were all just like... So sucked into it because it was just beautiful violence. It was beautiful, beautiful violence. And that was Edge's match where he's like, I'm here to stay. Yeah. And he wouldn't have the career he has now with that match, I don't think. He could have easily fallen so far down the card. But instead, he preserved his spot. 
He stayed there. He was injured for WrestleMania the next year, I believe, for I WrestleMania think you're right. 23. And the year after was really good. And the year after was re- and it was him and Taker. 20, yep, him and Taker was at 20. Main event. Yep. Main, main event. Of WrestleMania was him. Yeah, I think they always had high hopes for Edge, and once they find they, they were building up to it, and when they kind of get him there, he get hurt. I know they were building up to it in 03, and he had a neck injury. Yeah, I believe. Then he came back in 04, was doing really good, and then you know the things kind of blew up. But yeah, he's one of my top five. If I had to name a top five real quick before we go, um, in no particular order, uh, Taker. Uh, Eddie, Ray, Edge, Kevin Owens. Oh, okay. Yeah, I get I, that. I really like KO. Yeah, I think K- I think KO's paid his dues from the very beginning to up until now, and I think he does. Watching that match he did with Stone Cold last year was one of the most fun things I've ever done. In my he deserved life. it too. He deserved it. And when you. When he gets on that uh, that four wheeler and Austin is driving him down, you know that Kevin is like a kid on Christmas in that moment. Like you just yeah. How know. do you hide, how do you? I, I want to be able to hide my reaction. <laughs> he barely did. He barely did. You could just tell he was a kid in that freaking moment. Um, and and he just works the best matches with anybody. That's a, that's another one. You need guys that are going to be like. Uh, that going to be compatible with anybody, and he's one of those ones. Yeah. Yeah. Holy crap, this was so much fun doing this. This was great. List. I remembered a lot of stuff. Yeah. We got to do some more wrestling-related lists. And, yeah. And we even have some of our wrestler friends on here for I too. wouldn't hate that. I would not hate that. Yeah. So I know you got a better connection than I do. So, yeah, I mean, I haven't done the entrance themes yet. Uh, I know I was talking about doing the entrance arenas and pay-per-views and yes. all sorts of different stuff. I mean, I'd love to do finishing moves at some point, too. Oh, yes, I would love to that do That would be a cool like one. That. So we'll de- definitely have to do more wrestling ones. Um, great topic, Dan. Thank you. Very Dan. good. I'm glad we went this direction for this episode. Next week, we are following up with our last episode with uh, with Rich Moranto. We're oh, heading back wait. to Emerge and uh, the theme park, the, the 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 build your own theme park, the make your own theme park. Uh, cre- probably the most creative episode we've ever done. Yeah, I think where we actually got to use our imagination a little bit mm-hmm. uh, instead of just listing stuff. So that's pretty cool. We'll be at Emerge Studios uh, for that one. It is we're each going to bring ten different th- theme park theme ideas park based ideas, on yeah. whatever. Yeah, based on whatever entertainment properties, you know, all sorts of stuff. And um, oh, I can't. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to hear what. We all come up with. That's going to be most of my day tomorrow is sitting and like really breaking down everything. I have my 10, but I don't have the the mini list yeah. yet. Yeah. The the rides and attractions, but I have a couple of fun ones. I, I have a couple it. of fun ones. So Excellent. Well, that's a great episode to look forward to. Um, not to end this episode on a sour note, but I would like to, while we're on the topic of wrestling, I feel like it's appropriate to say rest in peace, Jay Briscoe. Yes. Um, on this episode in particular wrestlers die too young and like man tragedy like that doesn't make it any easier when that stuff happens uh one of the greatest tag team wrestlers of all time met him before funny 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 dude yeah and some of the best promos ever between the two of them i reposted one um that matt hardy posted um recently 
of him saying like, oh, I hear you're the best uh, uh, like landscaper in that. And it was Hardy like doing this terrible weed whacking job or whatever. And uh, he's like, he was like top that or whatever, not expecting anything. And Jay just responded in the most badass way because he actually did landscaping and stuff. Of him not saying a word, just starting his weed whacker and perfectly edging his lawn <laughs> just on the side of it. And then he stopped, just spit, and walked away. <laughs> and then, of course, there's the legendary Bruiser Brody ain't wear no mouthpiece. Terry Funk had never wear no mouthpiece. One of the most quotable ones of all time as far as <laughs> indies go. Um, but rest in peace, Jay. Uh, you will be missed by the wrestling community for sure. Absolutely. Um, but this was an excellent list. I cannot wait for our theme parks. And until next time, on behalf of Matt and myself, do you even list? Yeah. <laughs>